What is up, guys? We are live. Welcome to the Bags to Riches podcast. I am your host, Zach Ginn. And in today's video, we have a treat today in this podcast. We have the godfather of virtual wholesaling real estate. Chris Chico is in the house. I'm so excited for just to share his knowledge in virtual wholesaling. And really, today, he's going to be sharing a new type of virtual wholesaling system that I have never heard about. And I'm pretty excited to talk about it. So thank you so much for coming on today, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Uh, really excited to be here. So I appreciate uh, giving me the opportunity to share with your audience anything I can uh, and uh, extract as much knowledge as I as you can from me. If I pass out, I do have someone here that will revive me and we can continue. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. So uh, really quickly here, I do want to deep dive on the virtual wholesaling system, but this might be surprising to a lot of people, but I've been wholesaling for four years now. So, and I've learned from talking about all these wholesalers, they've always said Chris Chico is the man for virtual wholesaling. Surprisingly, there's a lot of new guys watching this stuff. So some people might not know who Chris Chico is. So uh, if you can talk about who you are and a quick synopsis of your story, uh, I'd love to know. Yeah. So I, Okay, so I got started in real estate back in 1990. I got my real estate license. I thought that was my sure way, my sure path to uh, uh, making a ton of money. And uh, I failed miserably as an agent. I was a horrible agent because I spent most of my time organi organizing my leads and not calling any of them. And then my, <clears throat> my luck came when I had a buddy of mine that was selling REOs, uh, the foreclosures for the banks. So I went to work. Uh, I, I got the opportunity to, to start working with a lot of the banks and selling their foreclosures back around 1999-ish, uh, year 2000. And, uh, and, and then that I did well with that because that was more procedure in nature, right? You don't have to go out to the general public. You're just dealing with the banks. And so I, I was doing that for a couple of years. And then I had an investor that was buying most of my deals. And then he said, hey, why don't you come work for me and I'll teach you the business. So I went to work for him for a year. And at the time, they were buying mostly REO properties, uh, again, from banks, you know, through agents. Uh, but uh, I saw that I, 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 I helped them buy, me personally, about 50 properties that year. I didn't make a ton of money. They only paid me like a grand on each property, but I got a lot of experience in that year. And then, however, I saw that the banks were getting less and less foreclosures because as the market went up, if people were in trouble with their properties, they could sell them on the open market and get out before the bank took over the deal. And so I left him. And I started, I had the crazy idea at the time that I wanted to go out and target private sellers, people that, you know, were, were selling the property, not through a real estate agent. And at the time I was kidding around, you know, back then when I started, there was no Google street view. There was nowhere to buy data. Okay. It was very rough. Okay. Back in the days, but, um, I, 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 I started to test, you know, using direct mail. <laughs> and then what happened is, you know, it wasn't getting that much traction and um, there's always a couple of pivotal moments, right, in life that, you know, you catch a break. And one of those were that I got, uh, I got, uh, I started to learn direct response marketing from a guy by the name of Dan Kennedy. And Dan Ooh. Kennedy uh, was, he wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Letter. So I wrote down, uh, I, I sat down with that book, The Ultimate Sales Letter, and I devoured it. And from that book, I was able to create my set, first set of postcards. And so I created my first set of postcards which back then, you know, it's very commonplace now when you send out direct mail where you have the, um, uh, where, where you, you inject into the postcard, like the name of the property owner, the address and all the, that information. Back then, that wasn't very commonplace. Back then, it was very difficult. Uh, and so I found someone that could do that and uh, a company that could do that. And so then I started to send out direct mail and it started to work and I started to get calls, but I started to get too many calls. And then that's when I, uh, at the time, nobody was doing this. Um, I figured out, uh, hey, I need a, a way to, to handle these calls. So I started to use 24 recorded messages. At the time, nobody was doing that. Because basically, if we mailed out 1,000 postcards, we would get like 100 plus calls all in one afternoon. So even if you could pick up the phone, you couldn't pick up the phone faster, fast enough. And then so um, my CRM at the time was I hired a guy. And uh, every uh, we, we, we timed the mailing so that it would hit like on a Tuesday, Wednesday. So he would come in and sit down with a notebook and he would handwrite all the messages of everybody who left the message uh, about wanting to sell the property. That was our CRM. Then we took that notebook and we gave it to another guy who then he called everybody from that notebook. That was our CRM because there was no CRMs back then. <laughs> and so um, I, and that worked really well. But then I realized that 
<laughs> I didn't like talking to any of these property owners. And within about six months, so in, in a span of six months, I went from making a couple thousand dollars a month to making over a hundred thousand dollars in a single month. You know, back then. And then, however, I realized I don't want to talk to any of these people. So then, uh, back then, when there was no acquisitions managers, I ended up just getting a couple friends of mine and say, "Look." I can do all the marketing. I can run the whole back end operation. I'll teach you how to talk to these property owners. I don't want to have anything to do with them. So I had like three guys who were basically doing all that for me. And I was running the, 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 and so we were doing well. And then, um, right, right around 2006 or seven is when I started to learn about the internet. It was right, right, maybe a 2005 ish. I started to learn about the internet. And so I knew that there were some people that were doing deals in other parts of the country. And we were doing deals and I wasn't doing that much work back then because everybody, you know, I was the guy behind the scenes. So um, I ended up, um, I had the idea of, hey, maybe I can do mailers in a different part of town and maybe I can do deals there. And so I started with, uh, with Jacksonville. And so at the time, I sent out a bunch of mailers to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I tied up a bunch of properties. I remember this. I tied up 10 properties uh, in a week, mainly because I thought everything was a great deal. But I didn't realize that it was because everything it was in. I don't know if you know Jacksonville, the north side of Jacksonville. Huh? It's a weird market. Yeah. Like everything is like those little frame houses. I thought, oh, my God, these I'm going to make a killing because they want like $20,000 for these houses. And, the, and then I figured out that that's all they asked for those houses. And and in the end, I ended up having to cancel every, all the contracts. But through trial and error, I figured out uh, uh, I figured out the right pricing. And back then, you know, again, there was no data. But uh, back then I was mailing absentee owners and I thought, well, how am I going to find the buyers? So I, I figured, hey, uh, the people that are the oldest absentee owners. Those are the ones we send the mailers to. What about the people that just bought as an absentee owner? Maybe they might be inclined to buy some more properties. So then I, at the time, nobody was doing this. I created a website, created a squeeze page, and I would send out a direct mail postcard with just the website. Now this doesn't work anymore because it's too commonplace, but back then it wasn't. And so basically we would send out a mailer of 500 pieces and we would pick up like 50, 60 buyers over the course of a couple of days, just because nobody was doing that. And it was just subscribed to my email list. And then that's how I figured out the virtual wholesaling model where we would send mailers to the oldest absentee owners and mailers to the newest absentee owners. And those were our buyers and our sellers. And then, you know, again, nobody was doing that. And then I decided to venture into other markets. I went into um, uh, San Antonio, um, which funny story at the time, I didn't realize that San Antonio was a, uh, a non-disclosure state and I was doing comps with RealQuest. And then they had some algorithm in the background that the numbers that showed up on the comp report were like really weird numbers, like 45,276, 43,000 and change. And, you know, everybody buys houses like at 95,000, 98. And I didn't know any better. And I was like, wow, people in Texas sure buy houses at weird numbers. And <laughs> but I realized that that wasn't the case. It was just that, uh, they, you know, it, it was an undisclosure state. So I got MLS access. And then it was um, uh, right around 2007. Uh, where I took, I was trying, uh, I, I wanted to get into the teaching business and I was too uh, cheap to go out and say, oh, I'm going to create, everybody said, hey, create books and tapes and give them to people. And I'm like, I don't want to do that because what if nobody buys? Then I got a bunch of books and tapes in my garage. I don't know what to do with them. So I said, hey, I'm going to upload all this information to a mem membership site that I have for my staff. I'm just going to upload it maybe and I could do it that way. Everybody thought it was a crazy idea to have a membership site as opposed to books and tapes, which is now commonplace. And then um, so at, at that, I was trying to think about a name of what to call this thing that I was doing. And literally, this is a true story. I got up in the, I, thinking through it a couple of days. I got up in the middle of the night one night and I'm like a virtual wholesaling. That's what I'll call it. So I got up. I registered all the domains. I went back to bed and that was around 2007 ish, 2007 when I registered the name back then. So virtual wholesaling was born around 2007 when, again, there was no Google, Google Street View. There was none of that stuff. And through all the years, you know, I've done the majority of the time was um, using direct mail. Then, you know, that's kind of stopped working. So I created a bunch of uh, postcards called, uh, I call them blind copy postcards. They just said third notice, final notice. Yeah. So that was kind of like, I call it skip tracing uh, 1.0. Because at the time, <clears throat> people were getting mail and I wanted to get the phone numbers. 
but there was no skip tracing services like they are now. And I was trying to figure out a way to do that. So I said, well, if I could bait the people into calling the 800 number, then we can grab their phone number and we just call everybody. That's so genius. that's what we started to do. And that's how we then we would just call people back. As soon as they called the number, we would call them back and we would be snagging deals all day long because nobody was cold calling back then. That was our cold calling. And then, and then now eventually around 2016 is when direct mail started to not work, maybe because of saturation. And then that's when I ventured into Facebook. And then I started to learn about Facebook and online lead generation. And then now uh, that's the principal strategy that we help investors with in terms of, hey, generating motivated sellers on, on Facebook and on Google and, and, and really pushing toward digital marketing as opposed to you know conventional methods. So that was my long, short story. <laughs> I'm That's an old guy, story. so I had to condense that. You know, there's a lot of years there that I had to condense. There's a lot of years. I mean, you started wholesaling when I was like in kindergarten or something. So <laughs> yes, thank you for making me feel so old. Yes, no, you're right. You've been <laughs> at the forefront of virtual wholesaling for a long time. I know Rick told me about the eviction or final notice postcard when I first got started. I was like, that is insane. Uh, yes. Jeez, man, that, that, that's a great story. Um, also, you're from uh, Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, I grew up in the island of Puerto Rico. I uh, went to Connecticut. I uh, grew up in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood where I always thought the kind of neighborhood where I, before I left Puerto Rico, I always thought that when you were done with your, uh, your sneakers and tennis shoes, you tied them together and you threw them over the power lines. And then I realized that, no, that just happened in my neighborhood. So then I came to Miami and, uh, you know, I lived on welfare and food stamps, went to college, got a degree in accounting. Uh, I didn't really last that long in accounting. And then eventually, you know, that's how I got my way into real estate. So, um, you know, that's that's my story. <laughs> that, that's insane. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there. But uh, really what I was here to talk about is obviously you've been virtual wholesaling for a long time. You understand it like the back of your hand. What is nationwide wholesaling? What's national wholesaling? Because you were telling me a little bit about this a couple of days ago. I was like, wow, like I, I got to get behind a podcast and talk about this. So What's this new virtual wholesaling system? Well, a lot, all the things that you have to think about, uh, I'll explain it to you. All the things that I do, all really come out of necessity. So what happened is that before, before what I'm doing now, uh, we were doing Facebook. And the way we got Facebook to work is that I looked at what we were doing with direct mail. And with direct mail, we were really injecting the owner's information to the postcard and really making it very specific. And so I thought, well, maybe we could do that with Facebook. So when I first started with Facebook, they allowed zip code targeting. So what we were doing is we were going and, 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 and targeting by zip code and the ad would have the zip code of the property. The ad would have a little image with a zip code and that worked really well. But what happened is ch Facebook changed their rules. So they said you can no longer advertise by zip code and you have to do a 15 mile rate, 15, one, five mile radius, which is humongous. And uh, so that became an issue. So I was trying to make Facebook work. I was trying to do a bunch of stuff. And then one day I created a campaign and all of a sudden I thought like, oh my gosh, I broke the code because there were leads coming in and they were so cheap. And then I, then I started to look further and I was like, wait a second, these are not leads in my local market. They're all over the place. And then I realized that I forgot to put the targeting inside of Facebook. And then that's when I realized, wait a second, uh, that's interesting that I took the targeting geographically away from Facebook. And now all of a sudden, now I'm getting a lot more leads. And so then now that's what kind of turned the corner on that. And then we started to explore that and we started to uh, tell our students, hey, uh, so so instead of doing virtual wholesaling, do nationwide wholesaling. So typically <clears throat> when you're doing virtual wholesaling, you're still picking a market, right? You're still making that decision to say, look, I'm not going to do deals in my local market, but now I have to make a decision about a particular market. So you're going to do research and et cetera. So the nationwide model is that uh, you don't pick a market. You do the marketing that then allows you to see where your leads are coming from, where the opportunities are, that then you could potentially zero in on those. So by that, I mean, let's, I'll give you an example. I'm in the South Florida area. I live in Broward County. So I could target with Facebook, Dade and Broward County, but the lead cost is going to be high and I'm, I'm in competition with a lot of real estate investors. However, what I can do is I could target the entire state of Florida. When I target the entire state of Florida, I'm going to get a variety of different leads. I'm going to get three types of leads. I'm going to get leads that are in my very specific market that I wanted to originate. I'm also going to get leads in secondary markets. I can, uh, for us in secondary markets would be like Titusville, Sarasota, markets that are smaller than mine, but just still generally population. And then I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get some markets that are really, really small and tiny, a little trailer park in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so 
those typically we scratch. Although, like I just recently recorded a interview on my YouTube channel. It's not yet published, but I uh, there was a student that he did the same thing. He uh, he lives in um, I forgot it was in North Carolina. He he targeted North Carolina and and two other states around North Carolina. So he was getting leads from all over the place. And he did his first deal. He made eight thousand dollars on a town of two thousand people. He would have never targeted that area, but that area was viable. He went ahead and targeted and found a real estate investor in the, in the adjacent uh, county, which is bigger. But now he he did a deal in that market, and so that's our model now. Where rather than picking one market, you have to you're, you'll pick a wide geographic area. Now the, the 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 issue is that you can't do that with conventional marketing because if I said, hey, why don't you go out and target the entire state of Florida? You can't cold call the entire state of Florida. You can't direct mail the entire state of Florida, but you can run ads over the entire state of Florida. And then now your cost per lead is going to be significantly less. You're going to be dealing with property owners that are going to be missed by other real estate investors because they're not on list typically, you know, uh, and because they're in secondary markets. And all of a sudden now that opens up your world to dealing in markets that you you would have never thought about. And then now, especially with Corona, that's that that's put that puts sellers the whole COVID thing puts sellers in a in a in a in a state where they're more willing to deal with you virtually, because now people are dealing with you virtually. So that whole model now works better in in our current environment. So that's in a nutshell kind of what we do. We just go over a wide market area and allow the leads to come in. And now. If you do that, let's say, for example, you weren't thinking of doing anything in Titusville, for example, and all of a sudden you get a deal in Titusville, you sell that deal and you find out through talking with other investors that, wow, that's a really hot market. Then you can do go into that market. You can do direct mail. You can do uh, cold calling. Uh, you can do a variety of different strategies because now like you found a nice market that has some juice in it. But you you found that through actually talking with the leads initially. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. I used to run Facebook ads. <laughs> Um, I think a while back, um, I used, I think you're like model type for it, but it was right when I was able to do zip codes and I only did the hottest zip codes and they worked well until, uh, it cut off, but nationwide wholesaling. So one question I want to ask is, I don't want to give away the best States for this, but obviously you have a lot of students and they do make very good money. Like it's almost every week you have like a student that's making like at least six figures with your system. So you got a lot, but the nationwide wholesaling. Do you have like three states you think are the best right now for it? Well, the best states are actually it, the best states are the opposite of what you would normally think of with virtual wholesaling. So with virtual wholesaling, you're typically are looking to uh, to 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 move away from a market that is that you find might be too competitive. So, for example, you might say, well, I'm not going to do deals in Arizona, for example, or in Phoenix. Why? Because it's too saturated. I'm going to go find another market. Well, it's the opposite with this. It's you want to find the states that have the most activity, that have the most uh, competition because the system will help you find the pockets of inventory inside those states. So here's a quick tip. You Are you familiar with uh, Kegley? Yep. Okay. So Kegley is a is is a uh, is a company that uh, works with wholesalers that have a deal. We'll partner up with you on the deal because I have a big buyers list. Well, you can go to kegleyhomes.com and look at all the markets that they're in. Just go ahead and select those markets because now if you're a brand new person and you want an outlet for buyers, then as soon as you find a deal in those markets, then automatically you can go you can go to Kegley and say, hey, look, I've got a deal for sale. Maybe you can help me sell it. So to me, that's a quick uh, a quick hack on figuring out like, hey, what markets would you target? Just the targets, the, the markets that you know that there's activity in. Definitely. I mean, Kegley just opened one. They have a South Florida one now. Yeah. The, I think they're going to Orlando one. They got Tampa. Like they're... They're blowing up Florida, so definitely it'd be a really good one there. So another tip uh, was also U-Haul, um, uh, for example. I don't know if you know this. U-Haul publishes a migration report. Yep. Right. So you can go and go to their website and look at what states people are migrating to, and and you can target those. You could you could theoretically target states that they're moving away from. But if you target, you know, people, states that people are moving to, that's another list. But I mean, I I think that just looking at where is their activity? Where are there a lot of investors looking for deals? Because again, when you target this way, you're avoiding the traffic jam. When everybody's calling the tax delinquent list, you're targeting other sellers that they're not reaching. Definitely. So uh, you did explain a little bit right here, but I just want to get uh, kind of a clarification. So I can think about Florida, you know, Florida way better than me pretty much, but let's say you get something in like, 
uh, Johnsville, Florida, with like a population of 50 people. And it's all trailer parks around. So are you just throwing those leads away or what are you doing with those? It it's depends. Really so small ones. Well, what we the, the best way to gauge that is by going on Zillow. You go on Zillow and you want to see some sort of level of activity. Like typically, if we find a house, uh, let's say uh, if we find a trailer, uh, a mobile home in the middle of Ocala and you look on Zillow and there's nothing for miles and miles and miles, then maybe that might not just be. But what we have found is that, you know, like say, for example, I'm thinking about the Midwest. A lot of times we, you, you, your students find deals like in the Midwest where you might have the major town, but then you have all these little towns and the little towns, they have like a little downtown. And when you look it up on Wikipedia, it says a population of two or three thousand. But there's there's humans there. There's like something going on. So that's the differential like you want. And, and you look on Zillow and you see that, oh, there's 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 a handful of properties for sale right now. There's there's some stuff that recently sold. You want that if you go on Zillow and you find nothing and like you go out for a couple of miles and like there's just nothing out there, then maybe that's one that becomes a scratch lead. And so what happens is you are going to get a certain number of leads that you just you're not going to be able to do anything with. But because you're targeting wide, the cost per lead is significantly less. You know, if we're doing a nationwide campaign. If we do nationwide, typically we're targeting the top 20 populous states. Our cost per lead is six to seven dollars. So if you have a handful of leads that are not that great, you can throw them away. And that does increase your net average cost per lead. But still, you're going to be way below what you would normally pay with, say, direct mail or if you're doing it in your local area. Okay. Um, what I wanted to clarify also is there's a lot of new people watching this. So first of all, they might just be completely, this is the first time they might have even heard of Facebook ads because they might watch my stuff. I say cold calling, drive for dollars, like the very cheap, cheap stuff. Um, so really quickly, can you give an overview of Facebook ads for whole <laughs> Yeah. So when most people think about Facebook and, and, and finding deals on Facebook, they think about posting, uh, going to the Facebook marketplace, posting there and trying to, to find deals or maybe going to Facebook to find cash buyers for their deals. So what we're talking about here is just giving Facebook money in order for them to show our ads to whoever they feel are the most likely prospect to be uh, to, to, to want to, for your offer. And, you know, the nice thing about this is that uh, unlike Say if you're if you're sending out a direct mail uh, a mailer, right? You typically will have to spend and send out at least a couple thousand postcards just to know if a list has viability. Why? Because the the, the response rate is is low, so you need a large volume. Uh, the nice thing about uh, Facebook is that um, and and this the budget that we recommend for students starting out is twenty dollars a day. So literally with twenty dollars a day, you can start advertising on Facebook and you can start getting leads. And if you do it in a in a in a model where you're targeting the entire state or maybe a grouping of states, if you put an ad out in the morning by evening hours, you'll have uh, two or three leads that of people that have filled out a form on Facebook. Now that information has been sent to your email, and now you have an opportunity to chat with them. And so it's really just paying paying money uh, the same way as you would pay, you know, send out a direct mail postcard. But now you're paying money to Facebook so that they can show an ad to the people that are most likely are going to be uh, a customer for your services, which in our case would be, you know, single family houses. Uh, we're looking to buy houses. Definitely. So the, the, I do like the thing about Facebook where it'll like autofill for you and you just click a button and it just, it brings the leads through uh, for the seller putting the info in and you putting it in. Uh, the one thing I do see here is a quick hack. I think I did learn from you. Uh, uh, I started like healing people's like Facebook ad uh, ad copy uh, through the uh, with the ad library. Yeah, and that was a huge thing when I was doing Facebook ads. That I just started because there's one top guy that was doing so well. I'm like, how is he doing so well? I just went in the ad library, popped it up. I was like, wow. Um, so that's one thing I did do when I was looking at uh, Facebook ads. But uh, the difference here I want to ask you is you know, people Google too used to do that. Back when probably it was very profitable. Um, is there a reason why you talk more about Facebook ads than PPC? Well, PPC is more complex. Um, and so okay. if I look at it as, I look at it as uh, setting the foundation, 
right? So let's say, for example, we'll use an example of you starting wholesaling and you start off with single family houses. You learn how to fill out a contract for single family house. So you get your feet wet there. You start making some money and then you decide, you know, I want to graduate into something else. So maybe you start doing apartments, but now the apartment buildings require a different contract. However, you learn the basics and the foundations of writing up a contract and how it works. So now you're able to take that knowledge and then now use it in, in, in that other arena, which is more complicated, but you're, you're stacking up your, uh, your, your level of, of knowledge that you develop. It's the same thing here. Uh, uh, Facebook is more forgiving. Uh, you can spend less amount of money. Uh, you'll, you'll spend less amount of money per lead. Uh, whereas with Google, there's a lot more uh, things that can go wrong. There's a lot more ways that you can lose money very, very quickly. And so uh, to me, I, I say recommend starting on Facebook so that you can now understand because also too, like with Facebook, there's a lot of things we set up on Facebook that then we can use on Google. Uh, but like there's different nuances. I'll give you a, a, a nuance. Uh, a nuance with uh, with Facebook is that if you tell Facebook, hey, I want to spend $50 a day or I want to spend $30 a day, for example, they'll spend 30 today. And if they don't spend 30 today, uh, for whatever reason, the, and if tomorrow you advertise with them, they'll only spend 30 because you're telling them $30 a day. Well, Google, if you tell them $50 a day, they don't say, they don't think $50 a day. They say, oh, you want to spend an average of $50 a day. That means that today, if we don't have that many people searching, we only spend 20. But tomorrow we had everybody searching to sell their house. So you know what? Maybe we sp might spend 800 and so, um, and, and there's a lot of nuances inside of Google that make that platform more difficult. So I recommend starting with Facebook first for if you're going into digital marketing and then adding Google as a, a secondarily after you get the foundation, uh, 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 you know, settled with Facebook. Okay. Uh, one thing I do want to point out though, if you guys are doing Facebook ads and you aren't subscribed to Chris Chico's YouTube channel, you need to, because I don't know how many times like Chris, you've seen this, but that Facebook algorithm changes every, it seems like day now, especially yeah. when you're doing motivated sales ads. Um, I, I give a shout out to because you keep it updated. You'll give an update on the Facebook ads or whatever's going on. And really um, you do help a lot on there. So you guys should subscribe to your channel. I mean, how long have you had your YouTube channel for? You know, I had the YouTube channel. I had to I started for, I started a long time ago, but only, only uh, what I did about eight years ago, I uploaded three videos. And just because I wanted some place to put them and then I completely forgot about them. And then maybe it was maybe uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago was when I started to think, oh, maybe I should be more active here. I wish, I wish that eight years ago when I first put out my first set of videos that I would have uh, done that content, but uh, I didn't. So uh, the channel was started a long time ago. So there's some videos there that, that are really old, but only a handful of them. But it's really only been the last couple of years, really, that I've been uh, steady. Not as steady as you. You going? You 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 you're publishing every day now. I think, right? Okay. Well, first of all, I think I met you a year ago, and you started. You told me you're like Zach. I did a video a day, and you know, like you didn't get traction from it. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And then December, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a video a day. I'm going to see what happens, and it's blown up like crazy. Um, but yeah. yeah, we do a video a day. Uh, but I mean, we have two people, not one, so it's a little easier. But, yeah, uh, but I think yeah. I think that the, just the, the the side comment I was going to make on that is that in the beginning you need that volume because you need to find your voice, you need to find your mojo, and the way to do that is by volume. So yeah, I think you're doing a great job. So what do you focus on on your YouTube channel if someone went to subscribe to you there? Um, I predominantly focus on uh, virtual wholesaling and then digital marketing. You know, I, I look at it as. To me, I've always been a marketer first and a real estate investor second, because you know if I, I, I can, I'm very sure I can place a bet right now that you know more about doing real estate deals than I do, even though you haven't been that long in the, you haven't been as long as I have been in the business. So because uh, for me, my thing is I've always focused on the marketing, and and so I've always that's that, that's the thing that I've always enjoyed. So that's why I think I've been very good with coming up with the postcards and all these other things that have come up over the years, just because I enjoy the marketing. And then I then uh, like right now I do deals, but the deals that I do is because I generate the leads and I give them off to uh, a few people that I work with and they go ahead and handle all the rest. And then I, I get the deal share from that. Um, but I've always, so for my, me, I'm, I'm always been a, a fan of marketing. So my, my, I, predominantly speak on my channel about virtual wholesaling, but really about online marketing and about marketing methods. And not so much as I do some nuts and bolts, but it's predominantly marketing. Cause I think that that's as a wholesaler, I believe that that is one of the key components that someone has to be really good at. 
uh, is the marketing because you're going to spend most of your time trying to generate leads. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I say a good real estate marketer will be the best acquisitions person every single time because I mean, you get so many more leads as a good marketer. You just have so many more at bat than yeah. a good acquisitions person. So that's something I've seen, uh, especially with virtual wholesaling. It's just, I don't know if you've had this experience lately, but there's just some deals that are just so easy that you don't have even to be a good acquisitions person. If you just get in front of that person, it does, yeah. it's not that hard to get that contract. Yeah, I think at a base, I, my, my feeling is at a base, you have to have a, a, a at least a base level of competency, right? Because, you know, if you're really horrible on the phone and you really can't build rapport and, uh, you know, you, 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 lack, you come across in a way that makes people not feel that you're credible, then that's just going to, that's going to impede your efforts. So you want to have a base level of competency. It doesn't mean that you have to be a ninja, but there's a base level required in order to, to make whatever you're doing work. The other thing I also, uh, for me, I've always been a fan of inbound marketing. When I started the business, I, I call it, I tried to do door driving. Door driving is when you try to do door knocking, but you're too chicken shit to, draw, to knock on the door. So you just drive and you just keep on driving. Not a very effective way to find deals. But that's what I, I, so for me, I've always been a fan of inbound marketing. I've always been a fan of figuring out a way for me to spend money to get a, a seller to raise their hand and to then say, yes, I am interested in selling my property. That in and of itself places the, the need for you to be a ninja on the phone diminishes that, right? Because it's already a warm lead. There's, you know, they, they, they're, they're expecting to hear from you and it's just a different conversation. So I've always been a fan of inbound marketing and generating those leads to come in. Def, I inbound. You talk. You're very similar to Rick in the, in the aspect that that's his favorite thing. I yeah. was the outbound guy. I'm the type of guy I don't want to like just hope and pray and send direct mail out and just hope someone comes. I'm the guy that like, hey, I got to be in control of my destiny. Rick's the other hand. Um, he's the inbound guy. But my for all my first deals were all bandit signs. So yeah. inbound marketing, guys. If you don't know, it's when the leads come to you. It's so much well, easier. You could you could argue that the bandit signs are inbound. So just so you yeah. know, the, the, the differential for me is outbound, I consider like, for example, if you're cold calling, then they did not ask to speak with you. You're calling somebody out of the blue and not saying that that, you know, that strategy work definitely works for a lot of people and you have to figure out what works for you. Um, but, um, you know, with the bandit sign, you technically did put an ad out. It just happens to be in the form of a sign and then somebody did call the sign. So it is kind of an inbound lead. Um, and so it, I, I look at it as that inbound is just somebody who reaches out to you and says, please make me an offer on my house. Wow. I mean that, I think that virtual wholesaling system you just said cured a lot of excuses from people who say, sorry, Chris, my, my market's just too saturated. I can't, I can't wholesale here or I can't do virtual wholesaling or I don't know what market to do. Um, I think that solves a lot of the issues there. So, uh, what I wanted to do here is well, I got one more question, then we'll get to some of the questions. So guys, if you have any questions for Chris, you guys should. I mean, he charges you a lot of money if you were to actually like do a one-on-one -on -one call with him. So um, comment below your questions you got for Chris and just let me know what market you're in too. Uh, it'd be really cool to know. So my question for you is, if I want to get into Facebook ads, how much money do you recommend that I have uh, before I get into the marketing there? Yeah, so I, I look at it as how much money you need to spend per day, but how much money you should be able to to, to give that endeavor enough so that now there's a chance for success. And this applies to everything. So let's say, for example, let's take a look at, uh, before I answer that question, as an example, cold calling. If you were to say, hey, Chris, I want to, you know, I did cold calling and it didn't work. And I said, well, how, how, how many, how many hours did you cold call? And you said, well, I cold call a couple hours and I just didn't find any motivated sellers. I'm like, well, you got to multiply that by 20, by 10, right? At least because you didn't make enough effort. So part of evaluation of any strategy is, is figuring out like the economics of that strategy so that now you can give it enough juice so that it has a chance to, to work. Same thing with direct mail. If you say, hey, I mailed out 50 postcards and, and it didn't get a deal, direct mail doesn't work. I said, well, it, it does work, but it doesn't work in the way that you want it to work in that way, right? You need to push more into it. So that being said, in Facebook, the amount that we always start off our students with is $20 a day. Now that's going to start generating leads. However, you got to give yourself enough uh, room in there for you to put a deal together. And, and my rule of thumb, my rule of thumb is to put yourself in a position where you're going to be speaking with 50 leads, five zero. Now, how much is going to cost depends on how you target. 
So let's say that I, I was dead set on doing deals in San Lucie County. I don't want any other county except that. Well, I'm gonna, sp I'm gonna you're probably gonna spend sixty to seventy five dollars per lead on Facebook. So fifty yep. leads is gonna cost you a bit of money. However, if you say, you know, I'm okay with targeting the entire state of Florida, now your lead cost starts to go down to fifteen dollars. All of a sudden, now your your cost for those 50 leads decreases. If you're doing nationwide, all of a sudden now 50 leads is going to cost you, you know, 500 bucks, right? So it just, the, 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 the amount varies. I would say the range would be anywhere between, I would say to be safe side, 750 to a thousand dollars in ad spend is sufficient enough, right? For you to put yourself in a position where now you can get, talk to 50 leads. And if you are okay with talking on the phone and, and, and be okay with doing, you know, just, because I, I talked to I talked to a student all, uh, the other day, and she's like, "Oh, I generated thirty leads." I'm like, "How many? How did they pan out?" I didn't call any of them. I said, "What are you talking about? You didn't call any of them." I was too scared. I said, well, that's not going to work. You're not going to make any money that way. So, provided you call these people and you have like human conversations with them, and you do enough of them, then it'll work. But seven fifty to a thousand bucks is is kind of like my minimum barometer of how much you should be spending. I agree. I mean, I think people are spending that on SMS text blasting. And I always say you should test a thousand bucks in SMS and then try a thousand in Facebook and see what happens. Yeah. Or a thousand in cold calling. You'll realize a thousand bucks in Facebook ads is a lot, lot easier uh, than cold yeah. calling hours and hours a day. So let's get some questions going here. The other thing as you browse through those questions is when you're trying to pick a marketing endeavor is trying to pick a marketing endeavor that fits both with what you like to do and also your, uh, your time and your capability. So for example, uh, if you hate cold calling, uh, then maybe trying to do cold calling is probably not a good idea. Uh, like say, for example, if you work a full-time job, then you really need an inbound marketing method because you may not have the time to spend all day cold calling. Now that you, you have a choice of maybe hiring some VAs to do it for you, or maybe spending some money on some sort of campaign that's going to bring inbound leads to you such that then now while you're at work, you have people that are things that are out there working to generate motivated sellers. So that's the other part of the equation is figuring out what you like to do. And then also what fits within, you know, your life in terms of what you got going on. Oh yeah, definitely. So we got, uh, Hoel, I think, uh, Barakua, Boricua, Boricua. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm that means uh, that's, that's it just, it's a Puerto Rican thing. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. So we got Chris is Austin. What's up? What's up? Uh, let's see. That's genius. Chris started the direct mail game. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, I was trouble. I was having a trouble selecting the entire state, but not the whole country. Uh, let's. See. Well, you would just select. You would just select United States. If you if you select in the targeting United States, then um, then you'll be okay. Uh, by the way, for everybody here, just just as, as a quick tip, you must select the special housing category. That is a setting when you create a Facebook campaign saying that you're going to advertise in a what's what they call a restricted category, which is housing. And you have to select that. If you don't select that, you try to run ads, then Facebook will give you a nice slap on the wrist and you don't want that. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, let's see. Joe. Well, I, I'm definitely saying your name, man. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, special category concerns. Just let the copy and image pre-filter question mark. It seems like your question. Yeah. So so. When you are the way we set things up on and in, in Facebook, you know the way a Facebook works is you have a campaign, and then you have what what are called ad sets, and the ad sets are what have all the targeting. So the way we do it is we have ad sets that don't have any targeting at all, and Facebook is uh, by crawling your website and looking at your ad, Facebook kind of knows already the type of prospect that you're looking for, and they'll start to serve the ad. But then you have another ad set that might have. For example, Zillow and Homes.com and Trulia as an interest. Then you might have another ad set that has home-related stuff like you know home equity loan and a variety of different things. So we mix them up. We have some assets, some targeting that has nothing at all in terms of targeting, and others that we do put stuff in there. And then we you know we just allow Facebook to work through that. And you know every campaign is different. We might have one campaign that we create that the, the stuff that had no targeting works at gangbusters. And we might take that campaign, duplicate it, run it again. And now the one that had Zillow and homes.com is the one that's producing all the leads. It just, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. You just have to learn how to, uh, you just have to learn the nuances. Sometimes Facebook is like, it, it's a bit of a flow thing. You know, you once you understand the system, then you, you're, you're testing through a variety of different things. Definitely. All right. So uh, next one here, do you have a link to that U-Haul thing? 
Or do you know it? Well, if you go to U-Haul and you go to press, uh, you go to uhaul.com and then underneath uh, the, the 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 footer, they have a bunch of stuff. I think it's uh, they have a press, uh, which you can go, and then they on their blog, they publish those reports. So if you go there, you should be able to find them. Okay, great. Gene uh, asks U-Haul, that's genius. Uh, Tony asks here, are you targeting by area or do you put any interests also on your ads? Yeah, we just answered that. So we target predominantly, uh, but the best best thing would be to target the entire state or target a grouping of states. And then in terms of interest, we test, we run ads both without any interest at all and then ads with interest. So we, we, do, uh, we do them both and both of them equally produce. All right, sweet. And then uh, Mark's asks here, is it in a rule if we're just starting, have you to close the physical deal? No, the, the, there is no, there is no difference. It's just, it's just different. You know, it, it's yeah. like having a cupcake, you know, it's like, it's a chocolate cupcake, it's a strawberry cupcake. It's still a ch cupcake. It's just a little bit of a nuances. So for example, if you're doing a virtual deal and so you have to, you have to find someone to take photos of the property. Many times the seller uh, will take a photo, will take photos of the property for you. So that, that's just a little bit of a nuance that you would have to deal with differently, right? When you're doing virtually versus physical. If you're doing a physical deal, you might, you'll, you'll get the, the seller to sign the contract right there, belly to belly. But if you're doing virtual, now you have to send the contract via hello sign or docu sign for them to sign. So the, 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 everything is the same. It's just, there's nuances, one or the other that are just different. Now, whether or not it's harder, it's not harder. You know, it, it, you think it's harder, but it really isn't. Uh, think of it this way. I mean, most people are used to now, especially with COVID, used to doing with do, do, doing things in a physical way. You know, nowadays when you call your local cable company, if you if you got somebody in the U.S., you know, you'd be surprised because most of the people that you speak with are in India and in the Philippines. So everybody's used to it already. So it's just a matter of uh, more more mindset shifting than anything else. All right. And then uh, someone from the Wholesaling Houses for Real Facebook group asks, uh, what is the type of message you're marketing there to the masses? I'm assuming Facebook, like the ad copy. Yeah. More or less? yeah from a copy perspective, what we, and, and uh, maybe I, I can provide you with a link that uh, people can go to to see some sample ads. Uh, I always believe in just conversational copy. So in other words, you know, uh, uh, some of my ads say, is it, is it really possible to sell your house in 30 days without giving it away? Uh, you know, that's that's how it starts off and said, hey, uh, we're looking to buy a few houses this month and potentially maybe we could buy yours. If we bought your house, we could buy it as is. So it's it's less yelling and more conversational. If that makes sense. Think of it yeah. as a, I always think about it as the best way to describe it is uh, put yourself in the in the, the other person's shoes. What is it that that they want, like the outcome that they want. They want to be able to sell the house without having to show it, without the hassles of listing with an agent. And then talk to them as if you were sitting across the kitchen table with them and, and just having a conversation with them as if it was another human being. And, and don't think of it as an ad. Think of it as just a conversation. And many times those uh, those type of, uh, that type of ad copy will, will, will almost always do better than anything that you're yelling, you know, like we buy houses cash. So call, fill out the form today. Now, right away. Okay. So I've seen, a, I, I get bombarded uh, just cause I'm in St. Lucie County with people with all the Facebook ads. Have you seen any success? I see so much ad copy um, with someone like selfie, selfie wise behind the house saying, Hey, my name's Zach. If you're looking to sell uh, contact me versus the people that, We'll just do a blank house and says we buy houses. Like, do you see any good ad copy if someone puts their personal like name or a picture of their face on there versus just a regular one? No, I mean I have students that are doing the. There, there, there's, you know, whenever you put in a video, there's so many nuances that go into there, right? Because now if you're showing if you're showing a picture of a house, but now you're showing yourself now the person on the other side, the seller, right, uh, was making a judgment on the ad and whether or not they're going to fill it out based on the, the image. But now if they're seeing you in video, now, you know, how do you look on video? How do you sound? Do you have a good audio? Uh, are you uh, presenting yourself in a way that that person isn't biased against you? And so by that, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in that you should be using both. 
You should be using the image ads, but you should also be using the videos because Facebook will show your image ads to people that are predisposed to, uh, to, to, to take action on image ads. But there's a whole nother set of prospects that you could show your ad to that uh, would be inclined on a video and Facebook will show will, will, will show that audience. Uh, in terms of video, the recommendation is you could, you could just use your phone, but the most important thing with video is sound. You can have a crappy video, but great sound, and that will be okay. But if you have an amazing looking video, but your sound is crappy, then that is not a go. Um, and then just uh, put captions on the videos. Uh, there's a software called, I'm not a, um, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with them. I just recommend them. A software called ClipScribe, C-L-I-P, Scribe, S-C-R-I-B-E. You take a one minute video from your phone, you know, Hey, this is Chris. I'm looking to buy a few houses this month. If you're interested in selling yours, I'd love to make you an offer, blah, blah, blah. You make that under one minute. You upload it to the site. It allows you to put a little headline up at the top and it'll, it'll do all the captioning at the bottom of the video. And then now you have a video that you can use on Facebook. Sweet. Um, Gene asks here, uh, does Chris have a course or something? I don't like cold calling. <laughs> Nobody likes cold calling except for, except for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you want, I'll, I can give you a link uh, that we can put in the description if somebody does want to get more information about, uh, you know, we do have a program that we teach investors how to go out and use Facebook ads. And we help mentor you through that. If you're interested, more than happy to have that discussion with you. So and uh, Yeah, you can go to ChrisChico.com. Actually, if they go to FlipAnywhere.com, FlipAnywhere. It's not a gymnastics course. It's a flipping, flip houses anywhere, flipanywhere.com. Go there, and then you have an opportunity to uh, have a training that will show you um, actually ads, and we'll walk you through like exactly how we run the ads and how it all works. And then, you know, hey, you'll find it valuable. And if you feel that you could use some help, then we can also provide you that help as well. Cool. Is that the link? Yeah, that's perfect. Cool. All right. So let's go to the next one here. Let's go, champ. He's awesome. Met him in Jacksonville. Uh, oh, yes. Hey, Chris. How are you? <laughs> I met Chris. Does SEO ranking in top five uh, complement Facebook ad? Question mark. No, question. not at all. There's two separate uh, things. So, All right. What works best? Ad campaign. Can I have a first-time buyer that pays to close my first? Um, let's just see some questions. Um, Miss G says, also, is there an alternate to Carrot uh, for your websites or does anyone know a rep of REI Reply software? Yeah, so we use uh, we we use uh, Carrot's a great site out of the box to have as a real estate investor. I think that every real estate investor should have a website because when you talk to a property owner, it adds credibility. The one thing, a couple of things I would say is that uh, you definitely would have uh, a nice domain. Don't if you have a your if your corporation is XYZ Home Buyer LLC, don't make your website XYZ Home Buyer LLC. You want to make your 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 domain sound something that as soon as you tell the seller, it tells them a couple of things. It says, okay, I have a website, so I'm likely there's some credibility there, and they know exactly what you do. So as an example, you know, if you have a, a domain called sellyourfloorthehousetoday.com, well, if you call somebody and says, Hey, this is Chris from sellyourfloorthehousetoday.com. Right there, they get what you do. Um, and now for us, uh, Carrot is great. Um, if, if for us building out landing pages, if we're building out land, landing pages for PPC and also for Facebook, because we do run campaigns to landing pages, we actually use ClickFunnels as our landing pages uh, editor just because we, we can mold those pages into whatever we want them to look. Whereas Carrot, if you start to really modify, try to modify and create a landing page, um, it's not the best for that. Uh, and Carrie, it's great for SEO if you're doing SEO. Definitely. I use ClickFunnels too because that's what I use just to send the emails out to the all the free stuff we do. So yeah, uh, I agree. Gary says here, just placed my first Facebook ad today. Not going so well. Uh, what's your opinion on this one? Oh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it's tough because there's so there's different nuances, right? So for example, uh, what is your targeting? What is your budget? I don't know what your structure of your campaign is and how you're targeting. And so it, it's difficult to answer that question. Uh, I can tell you that there's always, there's two sides of the coin. You could talk to people that will say, Facebook, it, it's horrible. I tried it and it didn't work. That guy, Chico, he's full of it. But then I have, then you have people on the other side of the coin that says, oh my gosh, all of my leads and all of my deals are from Facebook. I wouldn't do anything else. And so it's like with every marketing channel. 
because you can do things right and you can do things wrong. And it's just a matter of, of, of having the right strategy. I can't dissect that just because the, the one thing I would say is that the, the first thing I would say, Gary, is that uh, number one is the, the, the thing that has the biggest impact is your geography, right? So expand your geography to the largest geography that you feel comfortable with. And whatever you feel comfortable with, expand it just a little bit more than that, okay? Because you might say, well, I feel comfortable with the county. No, go the entire state. And then the having the right images. The image uh, image uh, that you're using in the ad is another main factor uh, uh, in terms of, of, of the effect of, this, uh, of the ad. But there's just not enough information in that, in that question for me to help any more than that. Definitely. Uh, the one thing I do want to ask is I've seen this happen all the time, just with like cold calling or direct mail or bandit signs. Someone says, I did my first cold call session today. It sucked. I didn't get one deal. Um, how many days do you think for your average student from their first like Facebook ad or they start watching your stuff and they start implementing it until they start seeing some traction, their first appointment or two or the first deal? Like what's the timetable you think? Well, I look at it as uh, let's say first, first set of leads. If you put the campaign together correctly and you launch it in the morning, at the end of the day, you should have viable leads to work with. So generally speaking, if I, my budget is $20 a day, then the objective would be to have two or three leads at the end of the day that have reached out and now they've submitted their information. Um, now, the next thing in terms of how long it's going to take to get a deal, if you think about it, if you're getting two deals, if you're getting two, two leads a day, over the period of the next month. That means you've gotten about 50-ish leads, 60 leads. And we talked about the number of 50 leads in order to have uh, have, have a chance of putting a deal together. And, and so now if you put a deal, if, if you, out of those 50 leads, if you got something and then you you then put it on the contract and you found the buyer, you know, realistically, we're, we're talking about at least 60 days. That's what people don't realize is that they, 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 you know, yes, you hear those stories where somebody makes a cold call, snags a deal, 30 days later, they make 30K and they're like, life is great. Uh, that typically is not the case. You know, I say you have to give yourself a realistic timeline. And uh, to me, a realistic timeline is 90 days from the moment you start the ads to the moment, because that presupposes that you get everything going out the gate correctly. Because if you don't do it right, you have to make adjustments. By the time you get everything sorted, you know, you're in you're in already in time. So I, I say that you got to give yourself 90 days, uh, 90 to 120 days to put yourself in a position where you've talked to enough leads you put. And also keep in mind is that it's a, it's a game of numbers, meaning that, you know, um, if you, is it possible that the first deal you put on the contract, you're going to sell and make, uh, make a deal. It's possible, but is it probable? Not, it, it's likely not probable. The probability is that you'll probably put two or three deals on the contract. One you'll have to cancel. One you 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 thought it was a deal, but it wasn't a deal. Maybe it had title issues. And then the other one is the one that finally closed. So you got to give yourself the opportunity to. There, there's it's a probability thing all the way through. The number of, of people that you speak with, the number of deals you put in the contract, to the number of deals you're going to close, and, uh, and and just you know, I made a video about this today. Wholesaling is a very simple business. It's like getting in the car in the morning, putting the key in the ignition, you put it on drive and you go. However, if you lift the hood on the car, there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the hood to make that possible. So wholesaling is a very deceptively simple business, but there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things you have to get right. And I say that not to discourage anybody, but if, you, if you're anticipating it to be, for it to be easy, you've got a, a world of problems because the minute you hit a roadblock, that, that's the end of your wholesaling career. But if you realize that the majority of the people that have had success struggle to make things work and that there's a lot of bumps in the road and you have to give yourself time, it doesn't mean you don't try to constraint, you know, don't, don't try to do it in as quickly as possible. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's uh, it takes time. So I going back to your question is 90 to 120 days to me is where I think everybody should be at starting from zero to try to get your first deal and your, your first check collected. Do you agree or disagree? I'm curious. I agree. I mean, I, I got my first deal in 30 days. But that was stupid. Um, yeah, but you, your dad, uh, your dad was a real estate investor. Uh, you grew, you yeah. know, like you, you, you grew up in the perfect environment. That's not taking yeah. anything away from you oh, no, because no, no, I no, think I you're aggressive. But you know, you had some help there. I had no <laughs> Facebook. I had no Facebook ads uh, back then. But it, it was crazy. I was the only guy doing banner signs back then, which is it's crazy mm. to think. But yeah. Uh, one question here from Tony is: How many ad sets per campaign, and how many ads and interests per ad set? So typically we have one campaign with four ad sets and, and, and the ad set, uh, you, one, you have no interest, 
One, you have uh, add uh, home home loan related interest like home equity loan. Uh, you look for, for you look for those interests inside of the interface. Another one is Zillow, Homes.com, and Trulia. And then the other one, the final one, you just take them and put them all together into one. So now you have four. And then we use Dynamic Creative, which is where you give uh, Facebook a combination of the image and the text, and they all put it together. And so typically, we we look at those. Those are we. The term for that is how many permutations of an ad. So we typically have four images and two ad copy and two headlines, which is uh, two, two, and what is that? Four, eight, eight total combinations that in, in, a, in a dynamic ad, meaning we put all those in an ad and then Facebook just kind of uh, does its thing and, and, and rotates them as, as, it, as it pleases. Oh, perfect. And then the, Jose says here, wow, I was doing $50 ads per month or a month. <laughs> Well, $50 a month, that's, you know, it's funny because uh, I don't know, $50 a month is a little bit low. However, I've run, uh, I've run campaigns as low as, you know, five or $10 a day. Uh, but also Facebook is finicky. You don't want to run, let's say if you want to spend more money, you don't want, and you're doing well at $20 a day. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you give Facebook $50 a day that you're going to do better. Now, if you are targeting a wide area, yes, you'll get more leads for the same price. But typically, you're better off having two campaigns at $20 each and having them run versus in one campaign with $40. It's just the way that Facebook works. Okay. Um, the one question I do have here is my knowledge of Facebook is very a lot more small than yours. So I do understand that there's pixels on these ads. Uh, does that affect anything at all? Like if I have an age of like a certain ad set that's been going on for a month, uh, would that help it? Because I know it usually works as like someone's interested in dogs or something, but um, does that pixel in a mature ad do better than like a newer one? Yeah, over time, as you get better results, then the pixel is acquiring information about, hey, what is the type of prospect that is uh, converting? So if you run a, a, uh, uh, an ad that says we buy houses, uh, and somebody submits their information, there's an interest there. And so as you, as you have more and more conversions and Facebook does have a better feel for what you're looking for, so the performance of your ads will increase up to a certain point. And now it doesn't mean like say, for example, um, you've been running an ad now for six months and you've been getting amazing leads. And so you decide, you know what? I think my pixel has enough information. I'm just gonna start running ads at $100 a day because now Facebook knows uh, what it's doing, it's not going to work that way, right? Facebook will take your hundred dollars and probably still give you the same two or three leads you were getting, but now they're going to cost charge you more money. So there's still confines within that as well. Um, so the answer is yes, your pixel builds up data and information, uh, but you still have to kind of massage it uh, to, 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 to allow you to find the leads. Sweet. Uh, Gary says, awesome. Thanks so much game. This guy's detailed. I love it. I love it guys. Uh, my last couple of questions for you here, Chris, is again, I've said this before, you almost have a success story like every week, I think, uh, on your YouTube channel. Uh, what is one story in the past post-COVID uh, time that had the biggest impact on you or made you think like, wow, I, I can't believe I changed this person's life? Um, you know, it's funny because um, I, I don't know if I one sticks out. I, the thing that always sticks out for me um, is the first deal, right? Because the first deal, uh, for anybody here who has never done their first deal, the first deal, a lot of times when you're on the internet, you're watching everybody doing these deals, you kind of feel like, 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 is it really real, right? Because to a certain extent, you see other people making money, but it's not real for you. You haven't done one. And so this, this is lucid dream. So for me, the most impact is just when I, when I have somebody that tells me that they have done their first deal, because now at that point now that becomes real for them. Like they, like this is not a fantasy. Like wow, this is really something I could, I, I, I that 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 I made possible for me. And then and then the the next stage I think is the third deal because and you you tell me what you what your opinion is, Zach. But the first deal kind of sets the belief in place. Now by the time you do three deals you have probably tied up more than three deals that didn't pan out. You probably had more than enough conversation with property owners that run you around in circles and, 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 and messes that you had to deal with with tenants and with uh, other wholesalers. By the time you get to that third deal done, no matter how much you made on that deal, you, you have a pretty good understanding of what it takes to do deals now. Now it's just a matter of leaning into now that, that thing that you're doing to create more success and kind of get the ball rolling. 
So for me, I mean, I had an interview recently with, uh, I always think about it from the perspective of, uh, and I think about my own situation is that, and I look at this, I look, I, I, I sell information products. So it's very easy for me to look when somebody buys my product and just to see a credit card transaction as an example, right? Uh, however, if you think about it, it's not a credit card transaction because just like you and just like me doing our first deal, we had a lot of hopes. We had a lot of dreams that hinged on us doing our deal. So that's the thing I always think about is that, that somebody's first deal isn't just somebody's first deal. Somebody's first deal is like their aspirations for the kids to go to college, their aspirations for them to be able to uh, to have their, you know, their, 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 to be able to quit their job and to be able to do something else that they might find interesting and exciting in their lives. And so for me, I look at uh, every deal that gets done is, is just somebody is me helping someone. Uh, just go a little further in terms of their dreams and aspirations. And, you know, if I could, that that's the thing that motivates me because I love the stories. And uh, sometimes, you know, you don't, I have a lot of success stories that I don't find out until somebody tells me like, hey, uh, I did a deal and, and you got me started two years ago. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. You should have told me two years ago. Uh, so for me, nothing really sticks out. I do have a lot of success stories. It's just that um, I just look at it as me helping someone just go a little further along and, and achieving their dreams, whatever those may be. And then real estate just happens to be the vehicle. Sweet. Um, Chris, I really appreciate the value you've been giving on this podcast. Um, this is the Bags Riches podcast. So I do ask the same question for every single guest. So Chris, if you were back 19, 18 years old and you had 300 bucks in your bank account, what would you do in Broward County to become the next Chris Chico? If it was, if it was when, uh, you're eight, you're 18 years old right now, 2021, you're living in Broward. Oh, oh so okay. So I'm 18 years old right now, Yeah, right now. And I only had three, 300 bucks to my name, which isn't, which isn't a whole lot of money, nope. which isn't a whole lot of money. Um, you know, I, I think I would probably, I would try and find another real estate investor who I knew, who I thought knew what they were doing. And I would approach it differently than I get approached all the time because, you know, people always approach you and probably approach you in the same way approach me as like, hey, uh, can you mentor me? I'd say, look, I'm willing to be your uh, you could I, I want to be your wet rag that you I do everything that you don't want to do. I'll run all over town for you because that's the way I learn. I learn. I work for an investor and I he paid me per deal. I made a thousand bucks per deal, even though sometimes he was making a 30, 20, 30,000. But over, over a period of a year, I got the condensed knowledge in a short period of time. And so for me, I would say is find it with that little bit of a budget. Uh, you don't have that much room to play with what you can do. I, I would do that. I would try to find another investor. And then the other thing I would do is maybe try to find, you know, if you go out and try to find like, say, a tax delinquent list or some other list. It's tough because a lot of people, especially if, if, if a list is readily available, there's going to be traffic on that list. So I would see if whether in your local area, is there some sort of list that you can get access to that maybe other people cannot? I'll give you an example. Back in the days, I was doing evictions. There's nobody that was publishing an eviction list. The only way that I can get the eviction list was I had to go in the Broward County Public Records Department. I had to look for final judgments. I then had to look at each individual final judgment to see if it was a credit card or if it was an individual. I ended up figuring out the individuals and then they would, and I would look for the evictions. It was very laborious, but that list you couldn't get. But now all of a sudden I had a, a prospect that nobody else knew had an issue. And then I could send them a letter and, you know, and, and I could try to get a hold of them. And so then with that little bit of money, you really have to uh, fine tune uh, what is the prospect that you can go after that maybe others are not going. Um, and then the other thing I would do is just, if you have the time, you would be driving for dollars all over time, jotting down addresses and trying to get a hold of people. Um, those are the three things I would do, I guess. Wow. Find list, go try to help another investor, uh, find list of people that are not really readily available that it might be a pain in the butt to get, and then uh, do some driving for dollars and, um, and be prepared for doing a lot of all of that. <laughs> Perfect, man. I, I really appreciate you giving the knowledge today. Um, I think you've helped a lot of people out today. So I, I truly appreciate it. You guys need to be subscribing to Chris. Um, I was subscribed to Chris before he even started this YouTube channel. So uh, that's how long he's been giving content relative to when I was giving it. So um, go help him out. Show him some love there. Um, before we stop this, before we end this, is there any parting thoughts you have for the audience? 
Um, you know, I would just any parting thoughts. I would say that um, my the best advice I can give you, and I think you guys are doing this if you're on on uh, Zach's channel here, is uh, don't try to be your own doctor uh, when it comes to uh, seeking help from others. And many times, you know, uh, people are hesitant to uh, to get uh, to get help from others in terms of what what the goal that they're trying to reach. And that's something that I'm always constantly trying to improve on. And, you know, sometimes you try to figure th stuff out on your own, but there's other people that have laid the groundwork before you. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and pay mentoring for somebody. It could be that you, you follow Zach and, and his advice, and he gives a tremendous amount of knowledge here and uh, you follow it diligently. Um, and, you know, the other thing is just uh, be prepared uh, as a real estate investor you are an entrepreneur. As, as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to deal with a high degree of uncertainty and ambiguity. And most people don't understand that. I get a lot of messages say, Chico, I only want to try Facebook only if I know it will work. That doesn't work that way. And so uh, you are an entrepreneur. And if you want to make this successful, you have to be okay with living in that area where there's a lot of stuff that you don't know, you're not unsure of, but yet you're going to continue to move forward uh, and to try to make it work. Um, and that's that everybody does that, including and you, Zach, because where you started, you had no guarantees. You just went it went and iterated as you went along. And so those are my two big uh, pieces of advice. Perfect. Chris, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on uh, next year when you talk about the newest, uh, the newest thing. virtual whole yes. thing. Uh, I'm pumped up. So thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. So thank you.